John 10, verse 1, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and, they, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of his, this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd." For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He is a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is God's word. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, our good shepherd. And we confess that we desperately need to hear his voice. We pray that through your word and by your spirit, we would hear what you have to say to us this morning. We pray that you would convict us of sin and encourage us in the gospel. Help us to live lives that give praise and honor to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are a lot of names for the Lord Jesus in the scriptures that help us understand who he is. And one of the main ways that the Bible wants us to think about Jesus is that he is the good shepherd. You can find the shepherd theme all throughout the Bible. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. David wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. 
And John chapter 10 holds a special place in the hearts of most believers because it paints this beautiful picture of God's loving care for his people. But what some of us may not immediately realize is that this beautiful and gospel-rich passage came about as Jesus continued to confront the religious leaders of the day. They had just excommunicated a man who Jesus had healed. If you remember last week, we looked at John chapter 9, and Jesus miraculously heals that man who was born blind. And as we went through the passage, we saw that this man not only got his physical sight recovered, but his spiritual sight. And he gets to a point where he sees Jesus for who he truly is, and he confesses Jesus as Lord, and he worships him. And yet at the same time, this man was put on trial by the religious leaders, who in this passage become more and more blind to who Jesus is. Remember last week, they tried to get this man to say that Jesus was a sinner. And then finally, when this man testifies to who Jesus is and what he had done in his life, the religious leaders cast this man out. And so there is a connection between John chapter 9 and John chapter 10. Remember, John, the writer of this gospel, didn't write all the verse numbers and the chapter numbers. And so it's a continuation of what Jesus is speaking to these religious leaders. Jesus is exposing these religious leaders for who they really are, false shepherds. In the passage, he calls them thieves and robbers, hired hands who don't care for the sheep. Instead of rejoicing the fact that this man was healed, they were more concerned that their man-made rules were broken. They cared more about themselves than they did for God's people. And it seems like Jesus is pulling from the Old Testament here possibly from Ezekiel chapter 34, where the Lord pointed to the evil shepherds of the day who failed to be the shepherds that God's people needed. In Ezekiel 34, they didn't feed the sheep. They were only concerned about fattening up themselves. And so the Lord in Ezekiel says that he himself will come as a shepherd to seek the lost, to bind up the injured, to strengthen the weak. He will feed them, he will lead them, and he will care for them. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is the good shepherd. And there are two metaphors that Jesus uses in this section, two I am statements. He says, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And there are many ways we can approach this text. There's a lot in here. We're not going to be able to cover everything. But my goal this morning is to be able to help you answer this question. Why is Jesus the good shepherd? Why is Jesus the good shepherd? What makes Jesus the good shepherd? And so for those of you who are taking notes, I've separated this into three sections 
and that will help us answer this question. So what makes Jesus the good shepherd? Number one, he knows and leads his people. He knows and leads his people. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? Number two, he gives life to his people. He gives life to his people. And number three, what makes Jesus the good shepherd? He gave his life for his people. So he knows and leads his people. He gives life to his people. And he gave his life for his people. So the main point, what I hope you see in the text this morning, is this. That there is salvation and abundant life for those who follow Jesus, the good shepherd. There is salvation and abundant life for those who follow Jesus, the good shepherd. Well, I think I've mentioned this before, that there's one unique aspect in, in the Gospel of John is that there really aren't any parables in it. If you look at the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll find Jesus speaking in parables all the time, but not in John. Maybe except for what we see here in verses 1 to 5. It seems like Jesus is speaking a parable here. In these verses, Jesus is using the things that he saw around him to teach those around him who saw those same things. And so look at verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. These words that Jesus uses here creates a pretty cl clear mental image for us. You can imagine a sheepfold or a sheep pen, and there are sheep inside that sheep pen, and then all of a sudden, there's an intruder. Someone is breaking into the place where the sheep have gone for safety. And this intruder has climbed in over the fence or over a rock wall rather than coming in through the gate. Those who do this are thieves and robbers. They're not the shepherd, right? Because the shepherd can walk right to the door and be let in. But these guys have to climb in another way. They're false shepherds. When Jesus mentions these thieves and robbers, he's referring to the religious leaders. The entire structure of the church and leadership in Israel was messed up during this time. None of these leaders cared for the people of God. None of them were faithful. All of them wanted reputation. They wanted money. They perverted the truth of God's word, and they hated the truth about Jesus. But then Jesus says in verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And then Jesus says later on in verse 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Well, in those days, most towns had a, a common sheep pen where many shepherds would store their sheep. And 
the, the, the pen had these high walls, and then it had a paid gatekeeper who stood guard. And so these sheepfolds would have sheep from many different shepherds, so that you have these different flocks mixed together. And when the shepherd came for his sheep, all he would do was call for them, and they would come. This wasn't a general call, but he would call them by name. He would call them by name. There's this unspoken rule in farming that if whatever you're raising is going to end up on the dinner table, you don't give it a name. We had ducks. They're not with us anymore, but they didn't end up on the dinner table because we gave them names. But these sheep were given names because they weren't raised for food. They were raised for wool. The shepherds gave them names and they would bond with them. A true shepherd knew his sheep. And knowing the sound of his voice, only the sheep that belonged to that shepherd would come to him. Think about that. A whole group of a mixed flock of sheep. The shepherd comes to the gate, calls them by name, and only his sheep come to him. The sheep wouldn't listen to the voice of strangers, but they would recognize the voice of their shepherd. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? If you belong to Jesus, he knows you by name. Unlike me, Jesus never forgets a name. And more than that, he not only calls you by name, he knows everything about you. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus says that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him in a way that's comparable to how the father knows the son and the son knows the father. There's no other relationship where both parties are more aware of one another than God the Father and God the Son. They're both God. They're omniscient. They're all-knowing. They know each other. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, he knows you that way. Think about what this is saying about the relationship between Jesus, the good shepherd, and those who belong to his flock. No one knows us better than Jesus himself. He knows you. And he doesn't just know his people. He leads his people. Verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. When we often think about shepherds and sheep, we have this picture of this shepherd who's driving the sheep from behind, maybe using those sheep dogs to kind of keep them in line. But that's not the image that Jesus is giving here, because in the Near East, both now and in Jesus's day, shepherds led their flocks from the front to protect them from danger, to look out, to lead them, and they would call them by their voice, and the sheep Follow them. There's a funny story. I, I don't have this in my notes here. I was reading where uh, the, this group was touring Israel and, and this tour guide was kind of explaining this whole thing that the shepherd leads the sheep from the front. But as they looked out the, the window of the bus, 
they, they saw a shepherd and a sheep and the shepherd was running after the sheep. And so they're, they're looking at the tour guide and they're like, what's going on? And so the, the, the bus stops, the tour guide ran after the man who was running after his sheep, came back and reported that, oh, that's not the shepherd, that's the butcher. <laughs> but the shepherd leads from the front, calls the sheep, and they follow him. And we share much more in common with sheep than we'd like to admit, or maybe than we realize. Sheep are prone to wander into dangerous areas. Sheep need to be led away from danger and into places where they're safe, places where they can flourish. The same is true of us. We live in a culture that feeds us lie after lie. Especially that lie that we can be self-sufficient and independent. Think about those phrases that you hear in our culture. Believe in yourself. You be you. Follow your heart. According to our culture, we can lead ourselves into safety and abundant life. But it's a lie. It's a lie that will leave you exhausted and disappointed. We need to be led. Maybe you're struggling and disappointed today because you've been refusing the good and kind and gracious leadership of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Remember, Christian, he knows you. Consider the care and compassion that he has for you. He knows us. He knows you beyond your pretending. He knows you beyond your performing. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your specific struggle with that one sin. He knows all your grief. He knows all your fears of being a failure. He knows your future. He knows about your fears of the future. He calls you by name and he leads you. That's grace. He leads us out of sin. He leads us out of shame. He leads us out of fear. And he knows the good and the bad, and the ugly. And he loves you. He's a good shepherd. I heard this once from someone, and it's something that I need to remind myself daily. Because I am in Christ, I have nothing to hide, no one to impress, nothing more to gain, and all the acceptance I need. Jesus knows us and leads us. And where does he lead us? Well, he leads us away from false religion. He leads us away from materialism. He leads us away from idolatry, from all forms of sin into the green pastures of salvation and abundant life. What makes Jesus the good shepherd well, we have seen that he knows and he leads his people. And next we'll see that he gives 
life to his people. In verse six, the people listening didn't understand what Jesus was saying. And so in verses seven to 10, he changes his position in the metaphor. And in doing this, he's gonna make himself even more significant. In verses one to six, Jesus was clearly the shepherd. In verses seven to 10, now he's the door. Verse seven says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now you don't need to pick here. It's not that Jesus is one or the other. Jesus is both the door and he is both, and he also is the shepherd. And this is the third I am statement that Jesus makes in the gospel of John. And the image that, that those listening to Jesus would have in their minds is a little different from the image that we talked about earlier, right? The common sheep pen where there were many different shepherds who, who, who left their sheep there. And now the image here is the shepherds out in the wilderness and finding a place for the sheep to be safe, a walled in area with no door. And what the shepherds would do during that time is that they would actually lay between the walls and act as the door. If you ask, ask some shepherds who are out in the wilderness protecting their sheep, what are you doing laying there on the ground there? They would say, I am the door. That's what Jesus is saying here. And the point that Jesus is making here is that there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way into that sheepfold, and that's through me. I am the door. There's only one way of salvation. Look at what he says in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So here we see the exclusivity of Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the door. Because of his atoning sacrifice on the cross, we are saved by faith in him alone. The Bible clearly teaches us that all of us have sinned and all of us are in need of saving. No amount of good works can save you. Those around you who believe can't save you. Belief in the fact that there is a God can't save you. There's only one way to salvation and that's through Jesus Christ. And so what does this mean? It means if you want the safety that Jesus provides, if you want the salvation that Jesus gives, you have to enter in through the door. You have to go through Jesus Christ. How do you enter? How does this happen? How do you enter? Well, that's the theme of the entire gospel of John. All right, we go back to his purpose statement every now and then so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. To enter through Jesus, the door, means to believe in him. To believe in who he says he is, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man. To believe that he died for your sins and he rose from the grave. Have you done that? Have you put your trust in Jesus as your only 
hope for salvation. He is the door. There is no other way. And he says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Anyone. Anyone means anyone. So if you're here this morning thinking, well, I don't deserve this salvation. Good. You don't. You don't deserve it. But Jesus still offers it to you. No one deserves salvation. No one deserves the salvation that Jesus gives, but he freely offers it to anyone who would hear his voice and believe in him. So come to Jesus this morning. Believe in him. And then Jesus continues in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Again, Jesus is calling out those Pharisees, calling them false shepherds. They were only interested in what they could get for themselves and providing for themselves, protecting themselves. And, and also Jesus is doing this. Not only, he's not only speaking to the religious leaders of the day, he's speaking to the man who was born blind that he had healed. He's there in front of them. And there were others around listening. The disciples maybe are there. And so Jesus, by saying this, is not exposing to the, to the Pharisees that they're false shepherds, but those around them as well, because they needed to be exposed. Keep in mind that these religious leaders didn't come out and say, we love money. We want you to praise us. We want all the control. False teachers don't come out with a blinking neon sign that says, I'm going to lead you astray. They're subtle and slightly off. False teachers may sound nice. They may have nice clothes. But they're not, if they're not pointing you to Jesus, then they want to steal, kill, and destroy that's why it's so important that the sheep only listen to the voice of the shepherd. And so how can we know the difference between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of the thieves and robbers? We do this by meditating on the word of God. This is Jesus' word. The more and more you read and meditate on the word of God, the more and more your ears get attuned to the voice of the good shepherd. That's how you're able to recognize the voice of Jesus over the false teaching of this world, over the false shepherds, even who are amongst the churches. So Jesus here exposes the false shepherds and then tells the people he is the good shepherd and what he has come to do. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He gives abundant life. This abundant life is a life of peace. It's a life of security, a life of joy, a life of freedom from sin and shame and guilt and it's a life that is characterized by communing with 
God. Really quick, how would you fill in the blank in this question? I need blank in order to have an abundant life. I need blank in order to have an abundant life. What would you put there? There's a lot of good things that we could put there. But there is only one essential thing to an abundant life. And that is knowing Jesus, the good shepherd. Abundant life doesn't refer to the ease of your life or the comfort of your life or how long your life is or the amount of things that you can have. The abundant life is a life of satisfaction and contentment in Jesus Christ. There are many people, maybe people in this church, who have this nagging constant unhappiness. They say, there must be more than this. I, like, I know that I'm empty. I've tried it all. There must be more than this. There is. You need the abundant life that Jesus gives. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? He knows and leads his people, and he gives life, abundant life, to his people. But how can we be sure that Jesus will fulfill these promises? Where is our hope grounded? Well, it's grounded in the fact that the good shepherd has given his life for his people. He willingly laid down his life for the sheep. For some leaders, people become a means to an end. Right, we've seen this in our lives. People are just a means to an end for these leaders. It helps them to self-promote themselves. It helps them to, to build their platform or so that they can have lots and lots of money. And unfortunately, many of you know that some of these types of leaders are in abundance even in churches. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Verse 11 I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. The way that Jesus secures salvation and abundant life for his followers is through his death and resurrection. Jesus is the ideal shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. He says, I lay down my life for, for the sheep. He cares more about the safety and protection and provision of the sheep than he does himself. I mean, this is good news, Christians, right? We should have faced God's righteous judgment for our sins. But Jesus went to the cross in our place. Place. 
as our substitute, as the atoning sacrifice. Timothy Laniac says this. He's an expert on, on shepherds. He says, risking one's life was occasionally necessary as an expression of protection. However, deliberately dying for one's flock pushes the metaphor beyond its limits. Because in reality, the death of a Palestinian shepherd meant disaster for the sheep. If you think about it, right? The shepherd dies, then the wolf is still alive, which means there's no one to protect the sheep. But the death of the good shepherd means life for the sheep. All of us were dead in our sins and trespasses. And it's only through the death and resurrection of Jesus that we're able to obtain spiritual life. So the death of the good shepherd means life for the sheep. What makes Jesus the good shepherd and his goodness, the eternal Christ, the eternal God, does the greatest thing for the sheep. He dies for sinners like us. He lays down his life in order that we might have life. There is only one good shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And did you notice how Jesus talks about his death? He says, I lay my life down. I lay it down. Jesus' words point to the fact that he voluntarily laid down his life. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. He wants his disciples to know and to see that his death doesn't come unexpectedly. He's clarifying that his death didn't come about because of a tragic accident. He's some sort of a helpless victim. No, what he is going to do is of himself. I lay my life down. And he's going to do it at the, the command that the Father gave him in eternity. This was the plan of God all along. We all are not that great at keeping God's commands. Amen? Right? We admitted that in our prayer of confection. We know that to be a Christian also means to admit that we're sinners. But Jesus obeys the hardest command that God ever gave. God the Father commanded the Son in eternity to lay his life down and then to take it up again. And the Son in eternity, who is both one in essence with the Father, both God, yet as the Son says, Father, I will willingly and voluntarily lay my life down and I will take it up again. Jesus did this for you and me. He willingly laid down his life. How much power does it take to raise somebody from the dead? I don't know. A lot of power. 
How much power does it take to raise yourself from the dead? Jesus says, I have the power and the authority to lay my life down and take it up again. And and in the Bible, sometimes the raising of Christ from the dead is attributed to the Father. And at other times, it's attributed to the work of the Spirit. But here Jesus says, just like the Father, just like the Spirit, as God, I can do this. I lay my life down and I can take it up again. Jesus was both fully man and fully God. But as fully man, he really and truly died. He really and truly died in our place because of our sins and for our sins. He really and truly was buried. He was laid in a grave and was dead. But then he raised himself from the dead. That's what makes Jesus the good shepherd. He lays his life down for the sheep and he's able to raise from the dead. But think about this glorious paradox we have here. The good shepherd becomes a lamb. The good shepherd becomes the lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He becomes the substitute for his people. And then in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, it says, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. Even throughout eternity, Jesus will be known as the lamb who shepherds his people and guides them to springs of living water. All of our longings, all of our fulfillment is found in Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. And then we see the two responses to Jesus in verses 20 and 21. There were many who continued in their blindness and they call Jesus a demon and say that he's insane. But then there were some who considered his works and his words and they came to the conclusion that he couldn't be what these religious leaders were saying. In light of what you heard this morning, what is your response to Jesus. If you're not a follower of Christ, but you find yourself longing for true safety and abundant life, if you find yourself longing to be in a place where you belong, to to be in a place to be truly known, to have a leader in your life who is committed to provide all these things for you, then you should believe in Jesus. He is the good shepherd. And he invites you to follow him by entering into him. He's the door. He's the only way of salvation. He is the only 
one who can save you and give you abundant life. So come to him this morning. Believe in him. In verse 16, Jesus says, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. He was making the point here that not only would the Jewish people who believed in him would be a part of his flock, but also the Gentiles. Jesus this morning says, I have other sheep who have yet to join my fold. Maybe you're one of them. Will you listen to his voice? And if you're already a follower in Jesus, Believe in the gospel again and again and again. Remember who Jesus is. In Christ, you are known truly. You are deeply loved. You are safe eternally. And you have access to abundant life. And how do we know this to be true? Because our good shepherd laid down his life for us and he picked it back up again so that we would have eternal life, abundant life. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? He knows and leads his people. He gives life to his people and he gave his life for his people. There is salvation and abundant life for those who follow Jesus the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have a shepherd in the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the good shepherd, that you have laid down your life for us and have risen from the dead. And for the promise that your sheep will know your voice and follow you, We confess that we often struggle to hear your voice in the midst of the noise and distractions of this world. We are easily led astray by our own desires and the temptations that surround us. May the words that we have heard this morning, words from our good shepherd, may they take root in our hearts and bear fruit. Give us faith that Jesus, you love us that you know us, that you lead us, and that you have given us life by giving up yours and then taking it up again. We pray this in your name. Amen.